by Johnson. Johnson is three-point territory, but guarded tightly. Johnson cuts left, now fires a three, and it's good! And he's fouled! It counts, and he is fouled! Welcome back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, here over at Phil Lane. Welcome Jeremy, Miami native, fan of the Miami Heat, and we're going to start on that subject right away. Wake James County. Johnson <laughs> has a warrant out for his arrest for murder. Absolutely destroyed a man's life last night. Yeah, Udonis Haslam is no longer the biggest badass in the Miami Heat. It's not James Johnson. <laughs> hey man, James Johnson has, uh, I think he's a second degree black belt. His nickname is Bloodsport. He picked up. Um, he, he picked up and carried Hassan Whiteside around the court last night. After they pull off a win, they were down four with thirty seconds left. I believe one of the players on the Pistons stepped on the foul line when the Heat were inbounding, got called for a technical foul, so the Heat got free throws and the ball, and they ended up coming back and winning. I don't even know how Goran Dragic got that last shot off in time, and then Whiteside tipping it in. So. I mean, crazy win for the Heat last night, and in the biggest way, too, playing the Pistons, who are only a game and a half behind them. So now the Pistons are dropping two and a half back instead of half a game. And the Heat, I mean, the only team that really is close to them, a game behind is Chicago Bulls, and they're no longer with Dwayne Wade. Which, what do you think Dwayne Wade is thinking right now? He leaves Miami to go to the Chicago Bulls, and no other team than the Miami Heat might be the one that gets the playoff spot over the Chicago Bulls. So, crazy season. He's slowly realizing, or it may have hit him now, that when you leave a team that has a Coach of the Year candidate... Spoach of the Year. Spoach of the Year. (laughs) And... Arguably one of the best GMs and a very good owner. I think Mickey Harrison's one of the better owners in the league. Um, you know, if you leave that kind of culture and you go somewhere where you have, unfortunately, with the with the passing of uh, Jerry Krause, former Bulls GM, um, but the Deardorff family that still owns the Chicago Bulls, I'm pretty sure, and Fred Hoiberg, who doesn't have the players to run his kind of offense, um, and an offense that, frankly, doesn't really fit into the scheme of the NBA, um, I think Dwayne Wade is very quickly realizing he made a poor choice in leaving Miami. Um, if he goes anywhere next year... Um, West Coast. Yeah. I mean, it depends. If he wants think, to win a think title... Think where Gabrielle wants to live, his wife, Gabrielle oh, Union. Where does she want to live? They live wherever they want. They have a ton of money. Um, <laughs> but where does she want to live? Yeah. And then it comes down to if he wants a ring or not. If he wants a ring, he has to stay in the East unless he goes to, like, San Antonio. If he wants a ring, he's going to Cleveland. Oh, but yeah. I, I don't see Wade going to Cleveland. Banana Boat, Choo Choo, Chris yeah. Paul's going to be a free agent this offseason. It's yeah. going to happen. Where are they going to get all that money? <laughs> Let's be real. They're going to use LeBron <laughs> as the most natural export of the city of Cleveland to fund the economy as he currently does. Um, but yeah, no, the Heat are probably one of the best stories in the NBA right now. They were 11-30 and 30 at one point, uh, yeah. now sitting at... 36 and 38, if you can do the math, that means they're 25 and 8. And they also hold the longest win streak in the NBA this season. Not the Golden State Warriors, not the San Antonio Spurs, not the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are now sitting in second behind the Boston Celtics, but the Miami Heat. And I believe that winning streak was, they got to 19, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And they ended up losing to the 76ers (laughs) to end that streak. So, I mean, that kind of hurts. But it's after 19 in a row with a team that really doesn't have a superstar. I mean, mm-hmm. Deion Waiters has tried to say that he is that superstar. I mean, he, he was for a couple weeks. But, I mean, I, with, without Deion Waiters this year, they're 6-18. and 18, So, 
I mean, maybe he is the key to their success. Deion Waiters for MVP. With 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 all that being said, the key to their success obviously is Eric Spolstra. Eric Spolstra is a coach of the year candidate, and in my opinion, only other guy that's really in the race, um, because you know how the media works and everything, is going to be Mike D'Antoni. He took the Rockets from what they were last year, obviously not knowing what they were doing. Uh, they had the coach firing with Kevin McHale, which I still think criminal criminal charges there. He didn't deserve it. Um, but D'Antoni has really installed uh, seven seconds or less 2.0. Um, James Harden is a better shooting 85% of the passing ability of Steve Nash. That's my reason right there where I don't think they're coach. he's coach of the year because he has James Harden. Yeah. And who does Spolster have? Spolster has on his roster five guys, I think, that played for the D-League that, like, within a year a year to three years or something like that. I mean, Hassan Whiteside was a D-League player that Spolster turned around. Rodney Magruder was a D-League player. James, James Johnson, Johnson was averaging, like, five points a game last year, and he's up to, like, 12 or 13 this year. He's going to get a huge contract, yeah. basically. James Johnson and Deion Waiters are both getting huge contracts. But, I mean, I think it's going to go to D'Antoni, though. I mean, I think he also has the MVP with James Harden. I know I heard something yesterday about a co-MVP of Harden and Westbrook, but... Why would you do that? I mean, I think it belongs to Harden. Fun fact, do you know the last time there was given out a co-award of any kind? No, I do not know. All right, I think it was the 95-96 season, and it was the Rookie of the Year. You want to try and guess who the Rookie of the Year was between that year? It was two guys that won the award. They're both, one of them was played with injuries in his career, and the other one is one of the greatest point guards. Couldn't tell you. All right, it's Grant Hill and Jason Kidd. Fun fact for you there. I, I don't think there's going to be a co-MVP. Um, yeah, I think co-rookie of the year would be a lot easier yeah. to do, where a co-MVP, I mean, there would be a lot of... De- mm-hmm. I mean, but there's a lot of debate that's going to go on either way. I mean, mm-hmm. if Harden wins it, everybody's going to be like, what the heck, Westbrook has the most triple-doubles ever in a season and is dominating the whole league in triple-doubles. He has more triple-doubles probably than 28 teams in the league. So, I mean, as much as Westbrook can make a case, Harden can make a case, so... It's, yeah. It'll be interesting to see whether they go, either way they go. And I, I just want to shut down everyone that's saying LeBron should be the MVP. Um, he has, I don't want to say having a lot of talent around you immediately disqualify you for the MVP, but it really does help if you weren't on the team and your team could still, they'll be, a, they, they'll make the playoffs in the East. The East is not that good, man. Like the top, what, four seeds in the West could potentially be a one seed almost in the East. Like, that's ridiculous. We're not going to have a single 60-win team in the East. We might not have anyone over 55 wins. And you took five games off. Harden and Westbrook have played every single game this year. I mean, LeBron does log huge minutes every game. He but, does, but he so shouldn't. Do, but so do Westbrook and Harden. He so. shouldn't. LeBron, I think, is averaging the most minutes per game in the league. He's 32. He has more career minutes than Michael Jordan. Yeah, no, that's insane. It's, you know... It's ridiculous, and I'm not saying LeBron's not good. He's arguably the best player on both ends of the floor in the league. Um, But you can't take games off. You can't have that kind of talent around you. And I know the advanced analytics is going to jump all over and say, oh, the plus-minus without LeBron on the floor is this and that, and it's way greater than everybody else. But that's because they focus their team around LeBron. He is the key that makes the car run. If you took him away, you gave them a whole offseason to rework their game plan, it would look something like a Kevin Roll 
Kyrie Irving, Kevin, oh, Ky- Ky- uh, Kevin Love, pick and roll yeah. with Kyrie. Kyrie Irving. Irving could be a star in this league. I mean, he is. I mean, he is a star in this league, but he could be even greater if he is one guy taken off his team. That's LeBron. I mean, could you imagine if the Cavaliers decided to stay with Kyrie and Andrew Wiggins and didn't try to do this whole LeBron thing? I mean, it'd be so much fun to watch those two play together, and they'd still be a great team. But I mean, it's it's LeBron's team. LeBron's the coach. LeBron's the GM. LeBron's the star player. Mm-hmm. LeBron runs the show in Cleveland. So yeah, and it's you know as much as we want to joke about him like being like all of that, he has been since he's come back. And you know it's it can't be too much. And when you can constantly complain about not having the players, yet you have immense amount of talent around you, it's just the injuries and. The fatigue setting in of making two back-to-back final runs, um, possibly a third. Um, of course, if you have LeBron on your team, you're automatically a contender. It's, what, six straight years for him making the finals, about to be seven. Him and James Jones. Yeah, James Jones, the legend. <laughs> but, yeah, but they're the two-seed. This is the hot debate. But does, d- it, does it really matter? Yeah. D- does that one – does it matter if the – Cavs have home field advantage when they meet the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, or possibly the Wizards if the Wizards would get there. I mean, the Cavs would have to get through the Wizards, though, now, or the Celtics would have to get through the Raptors. I think where it's important is that if you're the two seed, you would have to get through Washington and Boston rather than just one of them. But, I mean, if you're the one seed, you have to get through Toronto. Yeah, but Toronto's not on the same level as Washington and Boston. But Toronto can still be a pretty scary team yeah. in the playoffs. I mean, yeah, they were the two seed last year. They made the conference finals last year. They're a good team. They're a very physical team. I like what they did at the trade deadline getting Abaka and PJ Tucker. Um, but I think the East is between those top three teams. I mean, that can really change those top three, four seeds, though. I mean, they're all within three games with. Yeah. How many more games we have? We have thirteen days left in the season. So I mean, mm-hmm. things can change, and things can change in the five through ten part of the seeding too. I mean, all those teams are within a couple of games. So yeah, I mean, we're gonna see things switch around a little bit here and there. The end of the season has always been great um, because we have these tight races. Um, the East is significantly closer than the West. The West is just between the Warriors and the Spurs. But I, I think if I'm Cleveland. I want to try and get the one seed, so I only have to face really one of those other two teams. Because in my mind, it's those three and then the rest of the East on um, people that can legitimately contend and like be a threat to Cleveland. And, you know, it's, it's hard because I really want to say Washington matches up the best with both of those teams. Um, the other teams might match up with each other individually better, but... If Boston plays Washington, who is Isaiah Thomas guarding? He can't guard John Wall. He can't guard Bradley Beal. They would have to put him on, like, Otto Porter, and Otto Porter is just going to shoot over him. He almost has a foot on him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough anyways who Isaiah Thomas covers really with. I mean, I guess with the Cavs, you put Isaiah Thomas on J.R. Smith rather than putting him on Kyrie. Yeah. So Or Darren Williams or Amon Shumpert. Because Otto Part, I think Otto Porter's leading the league in three point percentage this season, which is like something that if you told me like two years ago when he wasn't even playing, I would say you're crazy. But I could say the same thing about the presidential situation. But besides that, you can say the same thing about Dwayne Wade leaving the Miami Heat too. <laughs> yeah, it's you know a lot changes very quickly, um, and it's it'll be you know 
I think the Cavs will still make it through because they have LeBron. They have the guy that could put his head down and get to the rim. Um, this is why, like, that's probably the one trait that he can share with um, Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. But I don't think he has the same killer instinct. He's always been more of a distributor. Uh, those other, those three guys, what they all have in common is that they've all been able to physically take over a game. When they need to, when it's on the line, they put their head down, they get to the basket, they make their free throws. End of story. It's how it's always been. And when you have the best player in the league, debatably, it's always going to make you a contender. And when they lost to Boston, it was the first time that LeBron James has lost in Boston since 2011. It had been six years. And honestly, the thing with the home court advantage it, it, you have to get to game seven first to have that. Yeah, I mean, would the Cavs even need seven games at that point anyways? Exactly. I mean, they're already showing like how much they think the home court advantage means to them by how many games they've been sitting LeBron or Kyrie in the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they really wanted this home court advantage, those two would be playing until it's locked up, and then they'd be giving them the rest. And it, it doesn't matter because we saw last year, game seven in Oracle, everything on the line. LeBron said, "Okay, yeah, whatever. I'm still gonna win." He won. He already beat even the though, hardest. Even home though court. the Cavaliers would have loved to win that game seven in Cleveland, like that yeah, an awesome celebration for them. But I mean, it it doesn't matter when it comes down to it. It, it doesn't, and especially in the era that's this isn't talked about, but especially in the era where you have, um, uh, ticket ticket companies. I'm not gonna name them because they don't sponsor me and give me any money for it. <laughs> so I'm not gonna name drop any of them. But it allows fans. Transplant fans are just fans of teams that are popular, the Warriors and the Cavs, to show up wherever their teams play. And I went to a Knicks Magic game a couple of weeks ago. There were more New York Knicks fans there than Magic. Well, that's the Orlando Magic. Well, yeah, still though, but the, like the distance. And it, it just shows that people will travel for these games, especially in the playoffs. And that's why that one seed doesn't matter. There's probably more Knicks fans in Orlando anyway. So. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's the same way with baseball. I mean... The Yankees away stadiums, Tropicana Field. Yeah, I'll go there wearing a Yankee shirt when they're not playing the Yankees, and people are like, "Oh yeah, you're a Yankee fan? Oh me too. I'm just here because it's cheap baseball." <laughs> I mean, it's how it is. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, but with that being said, top three teams in the East are the Cavs, Celtics, and Wa- and the Wizards. Not necessarily in that order. Who do you think is going to make it out of the East? If the season ended today, and this is how the standings looked. I don't. I don't see the Cavs losing. To the Cavs making it back seven times. I, I think the Cavs make it back. I mean, this is a team that, mm-hmm. no matter what has gone on in the regular season, everything they always put it together. I mean, they went. They were down three one. Let us not like, forget. Uh, three, the Warriors blew a three uh, one lead. The Warriors blew a three one lead. So I mean, when you're facing the defending champs and you're down three one. And that's playing a Western Conference team. Now they're playing these Eastern Conference teams. I mean, maybe if the Celtics made a move and got Jimmy Butler or something, that would have gave them the go-ahead score in this um, Cavaliers hypothetical matchup that we're putting up here. But I really don't think it's going to make... I mean, I hate to say this because I'm being biased a little bit here, but as things turned out now, the Heat or the 8th seed and the Celtics are the 1. I'm not saying the Heat are going to beat the Celtics, mm-hmm. but the Heat could take the Celtics 6 or 7 games, and that's wearing the Celtics out. Yeah. Where the Cavs would just steamroll the Pacers. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they have, I agree. they have Paul George, but besides that, they they would have 
they they don't have much, and the Cavs would steamroll them. So I mean, the Celtics might even have a tougher road going that way too. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, and then after that, they they they'd have to play a physical Toronto team, mm-hmm. where the Ca- the Cavs would have to play the Wizards, which is a tough matchup. But mm-hmm. I mean, I just don't see anybody in the East really. They might give them a battle, but nobody's going to mm-hmm. take down the Cavs. What it's going to come down to is defense, right? So. I think I was reading something or listening to something, and the last team that was ranked above 20th or in the lower half uh, for defense on the season that won the title was the 2000-2001 Lakers with prime Kobe and prime Shaq. Now, you know, the Cavaliers have great players. So basically you're telling me James Harden and the Rockets are in trouble. (laughs) Yeah, and that's the other thing I'll get to. But... It'll have to be them flipping the switch, and we've seen teams do it before. That Lakers team flipped the switch and lost one game that whole playoff series. And it was in the finals to Allen Iverson and Ty Lue, where Iverson stepped over Ty Lue, which I always find hilarious how things tie back together in the NBA and the giant web of it. Anyway, the Cavaliers have one of the best half-court defenses, right? So in the playoffs game tends to slow down a bit more you're being more methodical you're running more sets and i think that's where they can get you know their stops because their transition defense is abysmal i think it's like 26th in the league and if you play the wizards where you have the fastest guy in the league in john wall he's gonna murder you every time and they but don't you have- also gotta think lebron's jogging back in the regular season where in the in the playoffs, he's going to be making that Andre Iguodala block where yeah. he's pinning you on the backboard and stuff. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a whole different game when we get into the playoffs. So. It is, and I just it's the thing that would benefit the Cavaliers the most is having a rim protecting center. Unfortunately, yeah. they tried that with Andrew Bogut. He made it one game. You know, it, Tristan Thompson is like generously 6'10". Yeah. He's a power forward that can offensive rebound, and they make him play center. No, his rebounding numbers are ridiculous. I mean, yeah. that man can get 14 rebounds and score two points. He's the ideal person in a Daryl Morey system. Someone that doesn't do anything but stay within five feet of the basket, rebound the ball, and kick it back out. Yeah. That's all you need to do. But with that, I could see the Wizards beating them. Um, I don't think the Celtics could take down the Cavs just because, like you said, Isaiah Thomas is a defensive liability. Granted, he makes up for it on the other end, but, you know, that's what it comes down to. I think the Wizards have the best chance of beating the Cavs out of those teams um, just because they're really scary, man. Like, they're top eight, which would probably have to go against Cleveland top eight once you cut it down for the playoffs. Their top eight's really good. Like, John Wall, Bradley Beal, Bojan, Otto Porter, and Marcin Gortat. Yeah. Like. I mean, it's a scary bunch. But the thing is, if if the Cavs are... Sh- the, ca- the Cavs, the whole thing with them is going to be if they're shooting the ball well and everything, too. But, I mean, let's get on over to the West Coast. Yes. So, they're top three right now. Um, Golden State, San Antonio, and then Houston, I believe, right now is the three. Yep. So, with those teams... What do you see with those three? Like coming, I mean, first of all, is OKC still the eight seed right now? OKC is the six seed. Oh, OKC moved up to the six seed. All right, because I haven't, I haven't checked recently and stuff. I mean, I, I'd love to see OKC get a chance at Golden State just because I want to see Russell Westbrook play against mm-hmm. KD. 
I think that would be a fun series, even though Golden State would definitely beat them because Russell would have to score like 50 points a game and Mm -hmm. have a triple-double to have any chance. But, I mean, when it comes down to those top three there, I think like the past years, we would have to give the edge to San Antonio and Golden State just based on the Rockets' defense. And I think if Houston ends up playing San Antonio because they're the 2-3 seed, how is James Harden going to play with Kawhi Leonard on him the whole game? So yeah, it, it's you. You make a very good point. And interesting enough, the season ends today. Use this. Use this argument again. We would have OKC playing Houston in the first round, and if Russell loses the MVP to James Harden, you know that man is going to put a fire even greater in him, and he's going to attack every single time. And like you said, with their defense, like. We're gonna see Russell Westbrook maybe average like forty points a game in the playoffs if they play the Rockets. I think that's definitely realistic. I mean, and you know he's gonna average the triple double too. I mean, he's done it the regular season. What's gonna stop him from doing the playoffs? He's gonna play like forty five minutes a game. He's not gonna come out. The man's a cyborg. I don't understand other than like that one injury he had because of Patrick Beverly. Like he hasn't been hurt, and he. It makes you wonder later on in his career is this man ever gonna wear down? Like I mean, Kobe. And Dwayne Wade, too. I mean, yeah. I think Dwayne Wade played a lot like Russell mm-hmm. with just the way he goes all out and just throws it down on people and doesn't care and all that. I mean, that was the kind of player Wade was, and look mm-hmm. at the injuries. So, I mean, I hope that doesn't happen to Russell just because he's so fun to watch. But, I mean, he has adjusted his game a little bit. I mean, yeah. when he first got in the league, he didn't have the shot he has now, and now he's shooting the ball pretty well. So He used to be the worst shooter historically with a minimum of, three, minimum of 1,000 three-pointer attempts. He was shooting like twenty nine percent, and I think like number two or three was like Charles Barkley. If that tells you anything, but yeah, um, I think my big thing with the West, obviously Kawhi Leonard is a top three player on both sides of the ball. I feel a hundred percent confident in saying that he has a really good chance of winning his third consecutive Defensive Player of the Year, which is ridiculous for a wing player. We haven't seen a wing player like him since Scottie Pippen. Obviously, this award typically goes towards like centers, a big man, and the guy going against him is Rudy Gobert. Um, but it, it it depends on Kevin Durant's health, right? So Durant is slated to come back after the regular season's over, and we saw what happened last time when he came back questionably early, and that was with OKC a couple years ago, and then he ended up missing even more time. Yeah, but the thing with him coming back with Golden State and him coming back with OKC, it's a whole different scenario. I mean, yeah. he can, Durant can be a spot-up shooter mm-hmm. for Golden State and just let Steph Curry run the show mm-hmm. for the first the first series or the first two series if he needs to. I mean, they're not going to need that huge production that they needed from him at OKC. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's going to play with Klay Thompson. He's going to play with Steph Curry. He's going to play with Draymond Green, so... He's going to play with Andre Iguodala. So he, they have other people to carry the load there. So that will help yeah. them ease his way back into games. And it, and that's the thing. If he comes back, okay, if we come back and we see a 60% Kevin Durant and they have to play Utah in the second round, I'm not saying Utah would beat them. But Utah would take them to at least six games. Oh, Utah's a scary team. Utah is like... It's funny because like the Grizzlies used to be like the slow paced, were a defensive team, and like the Grizzlies are falling off. Um, they're the seven seed right now, and Utah's kind of gotten that role. Uh, somebody was saying if we saw Houston playing Golden State and Utah playing San Antonio, it'd be two different eras of basketball basically with the games and how they're played. You have the methodical, more 
um, defensive set teams and then two teams that basically sling it and shoot a ton of threes. And, and that's where it comes down for the Rockets. So they don't play really good defense. They're not abysmal by any means, um, but they're not you know putting the clamps on anybody. Uh, James Harden's gotten better, and that's a huge improvement because when you go from an F to a C minus, yeah, that's an improvement. But if you're shooting like 50 or 60 threes a game and you're making half of them as a team, say, that's ridiculous. Yeah, you're making twenty-five to thirty threes. That's seventy-five to ninety points off of the long ball. And obviously, they have the shooters that can do it. They have the methods and the way their offensive ran is offensive run to do it. Um, if they get hot, they can beat anybody. Just because they have everybody. And Harden's like Harden's kind of different from Westbrook in that way that he's not afraid to distribute the ball. And you know sometimes he will distribute the ball to his guys and it's why they've been successful he's probably about 85 percent of the way up to where russell is uh russell's setting uh league high rates for usage rate um and on assisted for the other night he assisted on every single assisted or was responsible for the points on every single basket but like three in the second half that's incredible he's their team and i know he is their team they have great players around him but when you pass it to Victor Oladipo and he's like, oh, like, I have the ball now. This is the only time I'm touching the ball. I'm shooting immediately because I might not get another chance. And it's going to negatively affect the team. And he's done a better job in the past 10 days or so. But, I mean, it, it's really between Golden State and San Antonio. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to every year. I mean, it, it seems like we're having the same conversation. Is it going to be Golden State or San Antonio in the West? And is it, who's going to beat the Cavs in the East? So. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a shame that, like, that's what it comes down to in the NBA now. It's between three teams every year. And, I mean, hopefully somebody will step up. Like, maybe we will see the Celtics, like, take their game to the next level and at least take the Cavs to seven games and get a great series or something. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, I mean, Houston can step it up and give San Antonio and Golden State a run. But, I mean, we just haven't seen that yet, that we're going to see these top three teams really get challenged. Yeah, it's... I think the biggest challenge that's going to face the Spurs, right? I think they're probably the most... Because I can definitely see Houston getting hot and making it. Um, The Spurs have Kawhi. LaMarcus Aldridge has kind of fallen off. His uh, defense is spotty at times. Uh, You can't really play him and Gasol together. So if you have to play the Warriors, like what lineup do you run? And... They're saying what you would have to do is you'd really have to play, like, Mills and Green and Jonathan Simmons and Kawhi playing a small ball four and then have Dwayne Dedman just because, like, he's a better defender than those other two guys, and that's what's going to matter more in the long run rather than outscoring them. You have to slow down the pace. You can't out-Warriors the Warriors. The one thing, though, is the Warriors have always struggled with covering the big man. So maybe you do take the risk of playing Aldridge or Gasol and hope that they can just have a monster game Mm -hmm. being able to dominate down low. Yeah, and if if the Warriors run with Draymond and Draymond is on LaMarcus Aldridge, like, it's going to help. And the Warriors have shown that when they don't rebound well, you don't win. And that's, like, just a general thing in basketball. The more times you have the ball, you generally do better. And that's why, like... 
they push the pace so much and they have so many touches per possession and all that fancy stuff. Um, but it, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Um, I have a soft spot for Utah. I think Gordon Hayward's great. I think he's... He's in a contract year, too, so I mean, he doesn't get to play in the playoffs that often, so you know Mm -hmm. he's really going to want to prove that he can take his game to the next level of even being a star in the playoffs for Utah, so... Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see him play. He's, mean, he's a I think he's one of the most underrated players in the yeah. NBA, for sure. Like, playing out in Utah, it's not a big market. <laughs> nobody knows about Gordon Hayward. I mean, people know about him, but nobody knows, like, yeah. this guy's a star. I think like, his biggest destination that's been talked about is Boston. Because, obviously, they're going to have the money. They would love to have another wing guy that's good. And he has the relationship with Brad Stevens, who's been recruiting Hayward since he was, like, 14 years old and was 5'9", and, you know, he wasn't the Gordon Hayward we know, and Gordon Hayward has always been the underdog. The the big thing is a lot of people are like, you know, he's a star. He can lead most of these teams, and, you know, he's a very good player. He's a top 20 player in the league, I would say. He would be a star on the majority of teams, but I think on a title team, his role is best fit as the second-best player. Um, this was the problem that the Trailblazers had in the early 90s with Clyde Drexler. Clyde Drexler was never a superstar by himself. You couldn't win a championship with Clyde Drexler as your best player. And I think it's the same way as Gordon Hayward. And I think you could argue that, yeah, for sure. He he would be a great, like, second guy. Like, could you imagine if, like, he was on the Spurs with Kawhi? Like, what, Jesus, like, that'd be amazing. Well, and let's hope he makes the move from west to east, and we get more star players coming out east. Because yeah. it seems that everybody's playing out west now. So. You gotta, you gotta. I mean, it's the easiest. It's the easiest track to get there is in the east, um, obviously, because you really just have the Cavaliers over the past, like, ever since LeBron's been back, and ever since he was there. Basically, LeBron's whole career, you've had to almost go through LeBron since about two thousand ten, pretty past much. seven years, and. Being out in the West, there's so many good teams, and you have so much talent, and we saw that with the All-Star game. There was guys left off who were snubbed that are great players and would be fantastic. There's so many great point guards, and that's a very good key to how like the league's turning to. But at the end of the day, I do think James Harden's going to win MVP, but I don't think they make the finals. Um, if Kevin Durant comes back... 85% healthy. Like you said, he can ease his way in. It's a lot easier of a situation. Um, the Warriors will obviously make a huge run. They share the ball at an extremely high rate, and they shoot very well, and it's hard to stop. And then San Antonio. Um, it, it's just going to depend on their offensive production. All they, they absolutely destroyed the Cavaliers the other night. It, it At the end of the day, we're going to have a great playoffs I want to say that there's eight games left in the regular season. I think we're about at the 72-game point. And so pretty soon we're going to have uh, the awards coming out. Um, I have Harden as my MVP. You also agree with that. Yeah, I think that will be James Harden. I I think Coach of the Year's are. It's going to be Spolstra. In my opinion, if the if you're taking Dan, I, Spolstra over Dan, Tony I have now. been on Dan Tony's hill beginning of the year, halfway through the year, three quarters of the way through the year, and you know if Miami makes the playoffs and they're they they could get higher than the eight seed really, it just depends how this last like week or so goes. And 
I, I really think he deserves it. Because like you said, he's turned some of these players, like James Johnson is going to get like a four-year, $60 million contract because well, of him. The amazing thing, too, is they, they don't have Chris Bosh. They lost Justice Winslow for the year. He might come back for the playoffs. Ah, uh, that would that would be. I don't know. I don't It'd know be about iffy. that. It'd be It'd very be iffy. iffy. I don't know if that would happen. I mean, Josh Richardson's been battling injury. I mean, he's he's gone through a lot this year, and through all of it, they're still sitting in the eight seed right now. After being an eleven thirty, and everybody talking, should the Heat tank this year and go after Lonzo Ball trade, and Malik Monk? Trade everybody. And, yeah. So I mean, Drogic was on the trading block, and then a week later, Drogic is the center of the team. So it's crazy. It, it, it's the game of basketball. It's why I love it so much. And we are in for a wild ride, and we'll continue to cover this. And um, I think next week I'm going to try and put something together where I have sort of a round table. It might just be me and um, another friend of mine uh, debating heavily about the MVP discussion. Um, Jeremy, thank you for coming on. I think this is your first time on, actually, for us. Yeah, first time on Phil the Lane. So you've been, you've it'll been be an exciting s- 13 days left of the season. Hey, man. I appreciate it, and it's been great. Appreciate you having me on. And buckle up. We have two weeks of amazing basketball left, and I can't wait. And the East is going to change. We're going to see people make their cases for their awards. And, uh, yeah, that's it. You know where to find us. Thank you again to Bold City Records for our intro music. Uh, Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on SoundCloud. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Comment, rate, review. We love you all. Thank you. Ball is life. You know where to find us. You know where we are. And we're out.